This is Ottawa's home for breaking news 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. News Talk 580 CFRA. Here is Lowell Green. Spanning the globe to bring you the constant variety of sport. The thrill of victory. And the agony of defeat. It is time for a victory lap, everyone. I'm going to run around the studio in a victory lap. I am running. This I'm out of breath, but let me explain why there was a victory lap here in the CFRA studio right now, because in a small way, but a significant way, the forces of sanity have won. I doubted that would happen. I told you on yesterday's program, I was hearing rumblings that the liberals were going to back off of this refugee rush to bring 50 or sorry, 25,000 refugees to Canada by December 31st. When I started the petition at Refugee Pause, there were not many voices, publicly anyway, saying, you know what, let's slow down a little. It was how many can we bring, how fast? Let's get them here. Come on, come on, move it, move it, move it. And I said, wait a minute, that's more than we bring in a whole year. It is not prudent to do this so quickly. We will be putting health at risk. We will be putting security at risk. We will be putting Canadians at risk. We will be putting the refugees themselves at risk if if we don't do this correctly. Yesterday, the Liberals announced that they're backing off. It's not a full retreat. It's not a full pause. But it is less than what they were promised. It is not the rush that was happening before. And they admitted it is due to the reasons that I have been calling for, that I have stated, that you have stated on this very program, that we have talked about at the Rebel Media. By the way, Brian Lillian for Lowell Green today, in case you haven't figured out that this isn't Lowell. So we started out, we were voices that were alone. Eventually, a lot of voices calling out alone become a, a choir. Then we had the province of Saskatchewan say, you know what, this is moving too quickly. Then the province of Quebec said, it's moving too quickly. Then Ontario's doctors said, it's moving too quickly. Cities across the country started to express concern that they would not be able to adequately house that many people so quickly. So they've backed off. 10,000 by the end of December, 15,000 by the end of 15,000 more by the end of February. And instead of doing the security screening, once the refugees arrive in Canada, very problematic because if we let someone in that we shouldn't, we would not be able to get rid of them. The screening will happen overseas. Public Safety Minister Ralph Goodale explaining that at a news conference yesterday. Vacation of vulnerable applicants to come to Canada soon. It includes thorough, professional, personal interviews of each and every applicant. It includes the collection of biometric data. It includes checking against Canadian and U.S. databases. It includes the checking and the rechecking of identification at every stage in this process. So before anyone gets on a plane to come to Canada, the security screening will be completed 
fully completed overseas. If there is any doubt about an application or an interview or any of the data, the file will simply be put aside and held for further consideration at a later time. Ladies and gentlemen, that is why I did a victory lap around the studio today. That is why you should do a victory lap today. There are more questions to be asked, more issues to be dealt with. I'll get into more of that in a minute. Now back to Lowell Green on Ottawa's home for breaking news, covering what matters to you. News Talk 580 CFRA. I think I need to get back in shape. I need to Greco-size or something because that victory lap around the studio wearing me out. But keep doing victory laps, people. This is a small but significant victory for people that wanted sanity. Remember, Ontario Premier Kathleen Wynne actually said that if you're opposed to the plan, you're a racist. If you're opposed to what the Liberals were proposing, you were a racist. That's what she said at the Westin Hotel. What, a three-minute walk from where I'm sitting right now here in Ottawa? She's been called out by another Liberal, by the way, Ujjal Desange, who sided with me and said, hold on. Let's do this properly. If we're going to do it, and it's a majority government, they're going to go ahead with their overall plan. But if we're going to do it, let's do it properly. That's what we said. And in the end, we were able to get the government to see some sense. They're slowing things down. They're going to take more time. But we were called racist for doing that. Now, we've got a victory. And this early in this government's mandate, where they are pushing ahead with every liberal shibboleth, we need to take a victory where we can get it. I welcome your calls on this, 521-TALK, 521-8255, or star 580 on Bell Mobility. I'd like to know, is, is this enough? Do, do you feel good about this? I think you should. What are the questions that remain to be asked? I would say one is, in reaction to Ralph Goodale saying, we'll do the vetting overseas. Okay, great. We'll do the vetting overseas, but what are we vetting for? Are we also vetting for ideology? 31% of people in the refugee camps, this is from the Doha Institute. They surveyed people around the Middle East about ISIS the U.S.-led coalition fight against ISIS, they found 31% in the camps, in the Syrian refugee camps, were opposed to degrading and uh, uh, destroying ISIS. They didn't like that. 13% outright said they support ISIS. Those are the guys we don't want in. Those are the guys that we want to screen out. Will that be part of it? If you have beliefs to go against core Canadian values, Values the Liberals say they're always standing up for. Will you be screened out? These are questions worth asking. And I know a question that many of you have been asking is, what about religious minorities such as Christians? Will they be brought in? That is something that John McCallum was asked about yesterday. Now, first I'm going to play you a clip. John McCallum talking about the overall numbers of refugees. Because while he's saying 10,000 by Christmas, 
or by New Year's, and then 15,000 by the end of February. That's not the end of it, he says. Here's McCallum. Uh, we will bring into this country 25,000 refugees, but that in the target date is by the end of February. Now, that'll be a mix. So that's 25,000 refugees, uh, partly private, partly government. Through the rest of 2016, we will bring in more refugees. We will bring in government-assisted refugees to make up the difference to, so that we will have re reached the number 25,000 and thereby kept our promise. But I cannot tell you how many private refugees will come in through 2016 because our government has said we are very keen to work with all of the people who wish to privately sponsor refugees. Privately sponsored refugees. That's going to be a big part of this. Now, McCallum was asked specifically about minority groups. Religious minorities, be they Christians, Alawites, Yazidis, but also gays and lesbians. The government is hesitant to say Christians will be a priority group. They just, they kept saying they will look for the most vulnerable and that that may include people that are in those groups. They did say they will be making gays and lesbians a priority as well. All right, that's fine. We all know what happens to gays and lesbians, specifically gay men, in ISIS-controlled areas. They throw them off the top of roofs. That's not something I support. That shouldn't be something you support. That should be something that Canadians say, yeah, let's get those people out of there. But also, Christians, Yazidis, Druze, Baha'i, Alawite Muslims, people that are being massacred because they disagree, they should be at the top of the list. There is a way that you can help with this. If you want to help shape what kind of refugees Canada brings, are you, through your community group, your churches, your service clubs, what have you, sponsoring a refugee? Because when you do private sponsorship, you can say, we want to go in and help the Chaldeans, one of the Christian groups. We want to go in and help the Coptics, another one of the Christian groups. You want to help the Yazidis? You can pick that. One of the ways that you can help. Welcome your thoughts on this. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. We've been talking about this issue a lot. You've been expressing your frustration. Is this enough? Do you feel good about the government backing down? Do you feel good that the tens of thousands of you that signed the petition at refugeepause.ca are being listened to? Leo in Ottawa. You're on the Lowell Green Show with Brian Lilly. Yes, Brian. Yes. You know what? They haven't broken any laws. And anyone in Canada, and, you know, the election has been over now for, what, a month. We hold, knew hold, that. hold on. Well, Wait, what do you mean they're not breaking any laws? I don't know who you're talking about. I'm talking about uh, 25,000 refugees. If they extended it to the end of February, it's not a broken promise. As far, like, we all knew they could not bring that many over and make sure our security, everything is, you know. Hey, but, but Leo, when, when we were raising concerns and saying, hold on, that's going too fast, that, logistically, you can't do that, they kept saying, we can and we will and we'll screen them when we get here and we'll do this and we'll do that. Sure, it was election ploy. Come on. It works, right? It worked. I, like the I NDP, understand that. The NDP said that we're going to bring over 15,000 or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, everybody wanted to jump into it, so they said, well, we're going to go 25,000. Well, I mean, the, as Canadians, we knew damn well 
that would never be possible in in six weeks. You know, have we all gone? We haven't lost our minds here. But I'm what I'm saying is that they've extended to February. And like, I mean, I'm you know, there it's a majority government. We can do nothing about it. I, They're going to do look, what they want to do. Leo, I go up on the hill. I go to their news conferences. I yeah. talk to them behind the scenes. They were committed. I know you say, well, it was just an election promise. They weren't going through with it. Yeah. Yes, they were until yeah. they started hearing from ordinary Canadians, like mayors, so, yeah. premiers, yeah. the doctors, until until all you know, walks of Canadians were saying, give your head a shake. We can't do this. <laughs> You're right, Brian. They were committed. You're absolutely right. So and, like, I this is go a good day. The... This is a good day, I think. Yeah, well, you know what? I mean, they're still going to bring them over, and they're going to take their time in doing it because, like, you can't house them. Where are you going to house them, for heaven's sake? 900 a day. Exactly. Processing 900 people a day to be housed, that's a big job, almost impossible to do. You know, and there are people now on lists waiting for housing and all that, right? Absolutely. So there you go. Thanks for the call, Leo. Okay, Brian. Welcome your calls. 521-TALK, 521-8255, or star 580 on Bell Mobility. 1-800-580-2372 if you're calling from out of town. And, of course, if you want to send me an email, brian at therebel.media. My email inbox is being flooded with uh, congratulations for helping with this pause. Maybe you want to add to that as well. Join the conversation. This is News Talk 580 CFRA. This is Ottawa's home for breaking news 24 hours a day, seven days a week. News Talk 580 CFRA. Here is Lowell Green. Brian Lilly with you here until 2 o'clock, filling in for Lowell Green. You want to get on the phone with Bilal? It's 521-TALK, 521-8255 if you want to have your say. Star 580 on Bell Mobility or 1-800-580-2372. Took a break from it yesterday talking about refugees, but I'm back today because it is a victory. It's a victory for common sense and a victory for sanity. And all of us who said mm, 25,000 people in a month from one of the most dangerous parts on the planet, that might be too fast. We were called racists. We were called bigots. We were called xenophobes. We were told that we weren't actually Canadian if this is what we believe. No. Turns out the majority of Canadians were on our side. Provincial legislatures, provincial premiers, city mayors, town mayors, doctors groups in Ontario said, you can do this, but slow down. Let's do it right. And what is the Liberal government now saying? Well, we want to make sure that we get it right. Do you welcome this news? Do you have any more concerns or does this answer all your questions? 521-TALK, 521-8255, or star 580 on Bell Mobility. I'll tell you one thing that is disturbing to me. We will be sending military personnel over to the Middle East to help with the processing. Defense Minister Harjit Sejan yesterday was saying they will be doing collection of biometric data like fingerprints and They'll be collecting information on the people that they're going to process. They will be assisting in other ways. They may be transporting people. And when people get here, yes, they've admitted up to 6,000 refugees could be housed temporarily on military bases. 
But one of the things we learned yesterday, and I spent a lot of time in briefings and in news conferences yesterday trying to absorb all of this information, trying to get your questions to the ministers and the opposition critics. One of the things that we learned was that when we send our troops over to places like Amman, Jordan, to help with the processing, they will not be wearing uniforms, they will be in civilian clothing, and they won't be armed at all. We're sending our soldiers into one of the world's most dangerous places, and we're telling them, don't look like soldiers, soldiers, don't act like soldiers. I found that kind of odd, so I asked Minister Sejan about this. Now, listen to the question. I use specific military terminology, and I utterly confused him, which surprised me because he's, he's not only a highly honored Vancouver police detective, he's a lieutenant colonel, he's an officer in a reserve unit, or was, I don't know if he's been discharged yet, as well as the defense minister, but I asked him in military terms, and he was confused. Then, he, once he understood, he got around to his answer. Where we can where we can process without okay. the red flags, no, hold without on. the concerns hold on. That's coming the, up. That's the wrong Those audio. We'll, who we'll need cut our that. Help the most. That's can we that's cut that? the process. Okay, so that's the wrong one. We'll get the uh, the proper audio in a little bit for you. That's uh, something distorted. Uh, let's go to Betty in Ottawa. Betty, are your questions answered? Do you feel better today, Betty? Hmm. Okay, Betty's not there. We'll put her on hold. And Keith in Manatic, are you feeling better today with this uh, slowdown, this pause? Keith, you're on the Lowell Green Show with Brian Lilly. Well, it was about time that that happened. I mean, anybody with half a brain would know that you couldn't do it in a matter of a few weeks. The one part uh, why I'm calling this morning is uh, the soldiers that have been displaced in Kingston and in uh, Montreal. Meaford, I believe, as well, yep. And uh, I would like to know what the numbers are or the rankings, because it seems to me, I said to my wife the other night, that I'll bet you that they're the privates, corporals, and maybe, I said, maybe sergeants. And I read in the sun this morning that there was a sergeant toting a bag or a box to storage. Mm -hmm. How is that even possibly fair to displace soldiers, some of, some of whom have fought overseas? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're told, um, for a single guy, oh, you can't have your own little piece of home or your own little personal You're going to live in a quad. Yeah, you're going to go and live in a tent or wherever else well, while these refugees come in. How is that even possibly fair? Okay, so, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and defend national defense because they've, had, they've done a horrible job Ugh. of explaining this. Uh, they have had several different stories come up. So I'm not going to defend them, but I'll try and explain, you know, best I can. When you're at the bottom of the rank, the military is a hierarchy. So, of course, it's going to be the, the privates and the, uh, the soldiers or the, the privates and the corporals, um, maybe even a sergeant. But primarily, we're primarily, but not exclusively, they're dealing with soldiers that are waiting deployment. So if you're down at CFB Kingston, maybe you've done your training, you're waiting to be deployed to a, a group. Um, to a unit somewhere. You might have been in your own single unit. You're now going to be living in a room with three other guys. Exactly. If you are a single man who was a private, you've just joined up, you're going to be moved from a single room to a room with three other guys. They I'm, were paying more for the single room, so they're getting a rent break, but it, it still doesn't seem right. No, it doesn't. And on the same point, I wonder how many officers have lost their quarters. 
Um, officers' quarters are normally a bit nicer. Oh, absolutely. I know that for a fact. <laughs> I'm ex-military. I'll tell you right now, it's much, much nicer. Much nicer. Let yep. me ask you this then, if you're ex-military. We're sending them over and telling them that they can't wear uniforms and they won't have their small arms with them. They, won't, they have to be unarmed. Who's crazy enough to go and do that? Well, when you, you know that you're a soldier, you just go, right? Well, yeah, you have no choice. Uh, you have no rights at all when you're in the military. They just tell you what to do, just like uh, you have to vacate your, uh, your room or your, uh, your small apartment uh, that you have on base. I think it's absolutely disgusting. I would have thought a lot more from this so-called lieutenant colonel in the Army that was in uh, Afghanistan. Well, I mean, where, where, where's his common sense to all this? This, this whole thing is just a total and utter mess. I will, uh, I will get you the audio, and we'll play it after the break. I'll, uh, I'll dig that up for you, but uh, you'll be surprised at his answer, or maybe not. Yeah. All right, uh, All Keith, right, thanks Brian, for thanks the call. So much. Debbie, Debbie, not Betty in Ottawa. You're on the whole Green Show with Brian Lilly. Thanks, Brian. Uh, quick, quick comment. Um, first of all, I'm also helping refugees. Um, but my point is we have a lot of homeless people in town. I think we should help them put a roof over their head, get them medical help. I have a lot of friends that have no doctors right now, and they're, they're having to go into emergency or walking clinics. So let's take care of our people here, get them doctors, and put roofs over their heads, food in their mouths, and then bring in the refugees. Well, uh, Debbie, if that's the way that we went, uh, we wouldn't ever take in any refugees. The poor will always be with us, and we're always going to have um, people waiting for homes. Now, it is unfortunate. I was told a story the other day. A uh, young man who ha- is on disability, has a small part-time job in the city, but can't live on his own. Can't live on his own because he can't afford the rent. And he can't, because he's a young single man, he cannot get a, uh, a subsidized unit. Those people, okay. the, the people that are coming in, are going to the top of the list for subsidized units. Well, so why do we put them on top of the list? Let's put our, our guys and help them out if they can't do it on their own. Give uh, them a hand, get I, them out of the gutter. I agree with that. It is uh, unfair to people waiting on the social housing list, how it operates. Uh, uh, maybe that's something that uh, we can use this as an opportunity to change. Thanks a lot for Thank the call. You. Thank you. Now back to Lowell Green on Ottawa's home for breaking news, covering what matters to you. News Talk 580 CFRA. Brian Lilly with you until 2 o'clock in for Lowell Green right now and asking you if you're happy with the government's decision to back down, to change, to say, you know what, we're going to listen to sanity. We're going to listen to sanity rather than claim that you're anti-Canadian or a bigot, a racist like Ontario Premier Kathleen Wynne did to those who were questioning the wisdom of 25,000 refugees so quickly. Doctors across Ontario, the legislature in Quebec, the Premier of Saskatchewan, city mayors across the country all started saying, you know what, too much, too fast. Tens of thousands of Canadians signed the petition that I launched at refugeepause.ca. Is this a good thing? 521-TALK, 521-8255 or star 580 on Bell Mobility. Now, we had audio trouble earlier when I tried to bring you this. I want to bring it to you now. The military is assisting in many ways. They're sending troops over to help with the screening. They'll collect biometric data and then visa officers, border service agencies. Agents will go through the data. There will be interviews conducted on the ground. But our military personnel that are going to places like Amman, Jordan, to help with the process of screening 
and bringing over refugees are being told that they have to wear civilian clothing and that despite going to one of the most dangerous places on the planet, they are going in unarmed. I'm not the only one shocked at this. I received messages from people in the military yesterday, today. I know that Mercedes Stevenson at CTV, a woman that knows the military intimately, that that has studied military affairs, was getting similar messages to what I was getting. So I asked the defense minister, and as I said, listen, I use very basic military terms, and at first he seems confused before he gets to his actual answer. Mr. Why no uniforms or small arms for deployed members? Sir? Why no uniforms or small arms for deployed members on this? Sorry, I don't understand your question. We're told that uh, CF members for part of this will be told, wear civilian clothes, don't be armed. When it comes to the force protection, I leave that to the Chief of Defense Staff to figure out to do the, uh, the proper threat assessment. And, and again, I just remind you that this is something that we're, we're used to going into threat environments and the Chief Defense Staff has a very capable team to make the uh, appropriate assessment and, the, and, and take the appropriate precautions as well. I have trouble believing that telling your soldiers that you're about to deploy that they can not wear their uniform or take their small arms with them, that that was exclusively a decision of the Chief of Defense Staff. The reason I say that is that in the 1990s, under a previous liberal government, soldiers in this country were told not to wear their uniforms in public. It was blamed on the CDS. The orders came from the political masters. We live in a democracy. The, the military is always subject to civilian oversights of the elected officials. That is as it should be. But I don't like this idea of telling our soldiers, yep, we need you to go help, but don't look like soldiers, don't act like soldiers. Let's pretend you're not soldiers. And one of the reasons being floated for why this is happening is that we're told, well, we don't want to traumatize people that have been fleeing a war zone. We don't want to traumatize them by having them see soldiers. What are we doing with thousands of them? Up to 6,000 will be stationed housed on military bases. Are we going to pretend that they're not on a military base? Is everyone on the military base going to be told to wear civilian clothes while the refugees are there? Are we going to hide the green trucks, the tanks, the armored vehicles? It doesn't make sense, and it reminds me of the decade of darkness that the military experienced under Kretchen and the liberals. Welcome your thoughts on that. 521-TALK, 521-8255, or star 580. Going to Susan in Ottawa. You're on the Lowell Green Show with Brian Lilly. Oh, hello, Brian. What I'm wondering is who's going to pay for uh, the hydro? Kathleen Wynne, are you going to tell these refugees to run in and out of the shower? Are you going to tell them to wash their kids in the same bath water? And make sure you turn off the lights and don't ever use the washer, dryer, and the, and the stove. Well, they'll get the, the, you know, once they're here, they will get the same lectures as all of us. Well, they're going do, to get a real shock, do, I'm telling you. Do do more with less and uh, and don't live like Justin Trudeau and Kathleen Window. Exactly. Uh, l- look, if you're coming out of these camps, uh, what you just described would still be luxury. Exactly. So exactly. I, I, I don't, you know what? I don't think they'll be the... bothered by that. I think they will be bothered by the cold. I think that's going to be quite the shock to them. Exactly. And there's going to be a culture shock. 
Yes, but I mean, how? Who's going to tell them? Like they got the running water, they won't understand. Like we well, can't no, use no. electricity or the water. You know, like oh, they won't understand the rules. I mean, they do have electricity and running water in Syria. <laughs> mm-hmm. But anyways, I was watching uh, the, the empty suit this morning, talking about this diversity and how good is our our country. But he uh, he he inherited this good country from the conservatives. He had nothing to do with it. And we're, all I keep hearing is that tax, tax, tax. Well, you know, you liberals, you voted for change, and all you're going to have in your wallet, you're not going to have dollars. You're going to have change. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Susan. Thank you. Bye. Ken in Prescott, you're on the Lowell Green Show with Brian Lilly. Hi, Brian. I spent 21 years in the Army. Now they have a camp called Wainwright, mm-hmm. and they could put probably half of those people in Wainwright. Um, there's a lot of the buildings have their own kitchen, and they have a main kitchen. Well, I haven't been up there for a few, few years, but they've even even made it bigger than it was. Wainwright is mainly a training base, right? Yeah, well, yeah. So that right. that means that mostly it's not people living there. That's right. There well, There's several bases like that across the country that are not ones that people are normally housed on. You go there for yeah. weeks at a time to train. Yeah, and you have quarters, you have kitchens, you have everything but you need. I, would, uh, I haven't heard of that one being used. They said specifically uh, military bases in Ontario and Quebec. Well, they should think about Wainwright. They should think about Dundurn because I was in Dundurn during the wintertime, and they have uh, kitchens and quarters there. They could probably feed 500 people just in Dundurn because uh, when we went on winter skiing with the Strats, we were probably up, up to that amount of people, and you can feed them there. And in Petawawa, they have the Matawa Plains where they do all their uh, summer cadets. They have a huge kitchen there, and they have quarters there. Many of these cadet camps, though, the um, the accommodations are not winterized. And uh, as I've said before, you could send in Mike Holmes and a team of contractors and you wouldn't be able to winterize them. They are uh, they're just not made for that. They, they have no insulation. They don't have double walls. Some of them are essentially plastic tents with air conditioners. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't put them in Cornwall because they're too close to the Indian reservation where they can get their guns and ammunition. Well, that's it's a human smuggling and other smuggling problem down guns, there. Guns, yeah. guns. Lo- Well, lots of everything. If you want it, you can yeah. get it through there. Yeah. All right, Ken, thanks for the thanks call. Thanks Bye. All right. Surprising, not a lot of callers on this issue wanting to have their say on, on whether they, they think this is a good idea. So... We'll switch it up after this. Um, After the top of the hour, we'll change topics, figure out something else that gets people interested. But I've been asking you, what do you think of this victory? And we have to see it as a victory. Remember, the liberals had said, "We we will actually process people once they get here. We'll process them once they get here. We'll security screen them once they get here. If you do that and you bring in terrorists or war criminals, then we wouldn't have been able to to get rid of them. It would have been impossible to get rid of them. But now they're saying we will do this on overseas. We'll do it thoroughly. We'll do it properly. I see this as a victory and a good thing. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're talked out on the issue. Jack is in the South End. Jack, you're on the Lowell Green Show with Brian Lilly. Hi. Calling about the refugees. Mm-hmm. Is is this a, a good thing, what the government's doing, backing down and saying, let's have some sanity? Yes, it's a good thing. But I'm wondering about, uh, can gay people not be terrorists? Oh, they can be. They're still going to be screened. All right. 
There's and no, of course, they, they, will take, uh, they will take a room from a troop. It's not a big deal. Like for one of the Army people, cadets or whatever. Look, what... Jack, gays and lesbians are one of the groups, specifically men, they're one of the groups that's being persecuted and killed for who they are. Just like we're saying we should bring the Christians over for that, I have no problem with that. As long as everyone goes through the proper screening. I understand. Yeah. Even even single men could do the same. You know, my my problem with younger single men coming over is why aren't they fighting for their country? No, that went through my mind a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and you're not alone. The very oh, liberal sure. Chris Matthews on MSNBC in the States said mm-hmm. the very same thing. He said, why would we bring over young single men in their 20s? Shouldn't they be doing their job for their country? Yeah. Well, obviously, they're escaping not only from the war, probably from being told to go fight <laughs> for and, their country. And living in a hellhole at this point, I'm sure. You got it's, it. Uh, it. It can't be fun. I, no, I don't sure. don't envy them at all. Jack, thanks for the call. Yeah, thank you. Bye. All right. Brian Lilly filling in for Lowell Green. We'll be back after the top of the hour newscast. You want to jump in? Have your say. 521-TALK, 521-8255 or star 580. You just want to send me an email? Maybe you're shy? Brian at therebel.media. Or join the conversation with thousands of other great Canadians. Facebook.com slash Brian Lilly. Another way to get a hold of me. We'll be back in moments. This is News Talk 580 CFRA. This is Ottawa's home for breaking news 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. News Talk 580 CFRA. Here is Lowell Green. Hello from the other side. I must have called a thousand times to tell you I'm sorry for everything that I've done. But when I call you, That is Adele. You've been hearing the ads for her special. It's on CTV tonight. I think 8 o'clock. We can keep playing that. Uh, We can keep playing that underneath. Um, It is going to be... If you love pop music, it's going to be a fantastic concert. But to tell you the power of this one, her new album, 25, has sold 2.4 million copies. In just over three days. That breaks the U.S. album sales record. A record that has stood since March 26, 2000, when InSync was the big act. So from InSync to Adele. It's interesting, two of the most, two of the only artists able to sell albums anymore are young women. Adele... And Taylor Swift. I don't even think they necessarily always appeal to the same demographic, to the same audience, but it is interesting. Lowell often threatens that if you don't call in, he'll play country music all day. I'm just going to play Adele. The latest hits on 580 CFRA. Now, this is still News Talk 580 CFRA. Brian Lillian for Lowell Green. I'll be with you until 2 o'clock this afternoon, and um, I'll continue to take your calls on the refugee issue and whether you think it is a 
a good thing that the government has decided to back off. And what do you think of the soldiers being told, go over without without any firearms, without your sidearms, and no uniforms? Welcome your calls on all of that, 521-TALK, 521-8255, or star 580. I heard an interesting story in the news break, though. It caught my ear. Another shooting in Ottawa. This time, though, the guy got he got shot in the butt. Then it felt like something just jumped up and bit me. Jumped up and bit me. It's a good thing that we have, you know, despite the fact that we have so many shootings in Ottawa, that there are so many bad shots. Because otherwise, the murder rate in this city would be much higher than it is. I think 41, 42 shootings, but I believe we're only at about seven murders. I could be off on that by a couple. But um, this is all due to the fact that the gang can't shoot straight. They shoot you in the leg. They shoot you in the butt. I'm sure the guy's feeling it today. Dolores in Ottawa. You're on the Low Green Show with Brian Lilly. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. I'm calling to say I, I'm absolutely shocked that they would send our soldiers into an area without arms and in civilian clothes. Uh, I, I don't understand their logic. I know they say it would frighten the people who are going to be interviewed, etc. But but, that, it, but then we're going to send them to a military base. Well, in, yes. <laughs> so they, it's an excuse that doesn't wash, Dolores. I don't understand it, and I don't approve of it, and I hope this new man changes his mind about that. We cannot ask them to go in unarmed and be slaughtered. I I just don't approve of it. And as for the oily speeches yesterday, they decided quite a while ago that they were going to cut it down. They only announced it yesterday. They wanted to look good, and the timing was perfect. But they knew that they wouldn't be able to bring that many in. I um, I'm, think it is fairly recent that they decided that. And yes. they, 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 they were determined until they saw the full weight of the Canadian public and officials stand up and say, we, we, we won't object to helping refugees, but this is too much. No, because or too of the, fast, too fast. Because of the uproar. Yes, they did pull it back, but they had a lot of time to prepare for those speeches because they were so slick. In any event, it's a terrible issue. And uh, I'm I'm very worried about the world order altogether. And I'm well, sure many of my fellow citizens are as well. I'll uh, I'll explain a bit more of what what I think is happening uh, after the break. Thanks for the call, Dolores. You're welcome. Now back to Lowell Green on Ottawa's home for breaking news, covering what matters to you. News Talk 580 CFRA. Hello. Hello? It's me. Oh, Fidel singing again. Every time I hear that, I expect to hear Lionel Richie come on next. Can, Can you back that up a bit? Let's play that hello again. Hello. 
Is it me you're looking it's for? Me. Don't you hear it? I mean, not with I my voice, because I couldn't carry a tune in a bucket, but uh, do you like that? I mean, it sounds like Lionel Richie should come on telling us, uh, is it me you're looking for? Uh, it, she is an amazing singer, and that's why I'm playing it. She's getting enough ads uh, uh, for the special on CTV tonight. She doesn't need me talking about her uh, to promote the, the show. But just an amazing voice, an amazing song. Dallas Smith, who's actually a former rock singer turned country singer, I interviewed him last year. Uh, when he heard this song, he tweeted out, singers around the world just gave up on their career. He thought it was that good. So that'll be on 8 o'clock tonight on CTV if you want to check that out. Right now, taking your calls on Adele or getting shot in the butt. I mean, that's another story in Ottawa, right? We got a guy who got, got shot in the butt. It just makes me think of Forrest Gump. Where were you hit? In the butt talk, sir. Oh, that must be a sight. I'd like to see that. <laughs> oh, man. Man in Ottawa shot in the butt, drove himself to the hospital. Thank goodness they cannot shoot straight. Brian Lillian for Lowell Green, having fun on the radio. John in Richmond, you're on the Lowell Green Show with Brian Lillian. Yeah, that, that Forrest Gump, that was a good movie. That was a good one. <laughs> I'd like to see that. <laughs> um, refugees, I just have no idea how they're going to check these. I mean, I'm listening to Fox News, and they're telling us, that, which you won't see on CNN, that uh, it's going to take at least 12 months for one um, refugee to check, because... There's nobody over there. There's no office to check it with. I mean, you can buy a passport for a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. They say it's pretty good. Um, I mean, we're just taking one hell of a chance. We're still we're still taking a chance. Now, um, listening, in, uh, listening to Ralph Goodale yesterday describe how they're going to do the checks. They will be checking fingerprints. They will be going against Canadian and American uh, databases for known individuals um a good question is why just american and canadian why not the five eyes why not our full intelligence partners which would include new zealand australia and britain i think exactly. that they should expand that um maybe even the un list although you know, my view of the un is, is, is dim they would have people on list uh yeah, but, but so but... They, they will they will vet against that and if there are any red flags, part of the reason, and this was the, I'm just giving you what they told us under question yeah. yesterday. Uh, they said that one of the reasons it can take 12 months, two years to vet a case is that as red flags come up, you have to investigate. Okay, hold on. There's something about John and Richmond. Let's, right. John and Richmond did this. Does that disqualify him? Let's check that out. Well, if John and Richmond did anything, that raises a red flag, John, you're staying in Richmond. You're not getting on the bus and coming to Ottawa. Exactly. That's how they're doing it. I, I'm not fully um, fully enamored with their plan, but it's better than what they had in mind. It's better than yeah. what they were going to do. Our defense minister, is he not the one that said that uh, we should uh, negotiate with ISIS? He, he, no, he said we could have dealt with them diplomatically. Uh, which, if you understand ISIS, how it came together, what their goals are, that was never going to happen. Absolutely. I mean, there, there are other groups that you could deal with diplomatically. Uh, ISIS, in many ways, is, it's like dealing with uh, Ahmadinejad when he was running Iran. 
the man believes that he can help speed up the apocalypse by going to war with people. So do a lot of the guys in ISIS. So um, they don't see the, the end of the world. They don't see violence all around them as necessarily a bad thing. They see it as helping on their path to um, to heaven. Yeah. Well, that's just scary. If that's our defense minister, yeah, he, he must believe it. He, I mean, he must believe it well, if it came out of his mouth. You there, know? There's just an awful lot of people that don't bother to take the time to to learn, to read for themselves, and, and to believe when people tell you who they are, to believe them when they say their goal is to have us submit or have us die. Absolutely. And, and, and that's the view of ISIS. There are other groups over there that are, you know, involved in the Civil War that, uh, okay, if you sat down and talked to them, what do they want? Well, they want this patch of land over here. They want to uh, make sure that Assad is out of power. All things that we can negotiate, all things that we can understand. Trying to yeah. understand ISIS, uh, I, I'm not trying to demonize them. It's just their worldview. Oh yeah, they they, um, they want to take over. I mean, they, they, they want they, they want to take a, over. They want a caliphate. Uh, they want the the world to submit to Islam, and to them, uh, dying to achieve that is not necessarily a bad thing. No, no, because they're going to get their virgins or whatever else they're going to get up there. All right, and uh, well, keep up the good work, Brian. Thank you. Robert in Ottawa, you're on the Lowell Green Show. Good morning. Morning. Uh, quick question, or mm-hmm. a quick comment, I should say. The refugees, we're allowing refugees into our country and very easily. What do you say on immigration allowing them in that easy? We don't allow <laughs> immigrants in that easy. That's what I mean, right? My, so, my, two, of my, two of my uncles gave up trying to come to this country because it was such a huge pain in the butt. That's what I mean. So we're letting all these refugees come in. Who's to say that they're going to actually work? So they're going to live off live off of our, uh, you know, society, and we have no immigration coming in to balance off the after effects. Well, no, look, Robert, we're still going to have about two hundred and fifty thousand uh, new immigrants this year. That's the number it's been for the last um, about the last decade. Is two hundred and fifty thousand a year. I don't see it going down. So, yeah, it, it will be balanced off. The Just the Syrian refugees alone, though, will be 10% of the um, the total immigrants. We're still not sure what this means for refugees in other uh, less than desirable spots. Some would call them hellholes around the world, the types of people that Canada has spent years assisting. Right, but it's still harder to get an immigrant to come into Canada than it is to get a refugee to come in. Currently, yes. Yeah. All right, so- thank, thanks for the call. All right, bye. Helen in Westboro. You're on the Lowell Green Show with Bilil. Good morning, Bilil. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say that uh, caller uh, earlier, uh, Dolores, mm-hmm. who mentioned about uh, the promise that they'd made, I think that was a false promise. It's like a guy on a first date, you know, telling me he's going to take me on a cruise and we end up renting a boat and going down the Rita River. Um, I really think that they didn't feel they'd be able to do that in that time, but they wanted to look better than the mean conservatives and the uh, NDP. So, and I think after Well, they're had... sticking with the numbers, Helen. They're sticking with the numbers, and, and I don't... 
I, I think that they were foolish in throwing out the December 31st, but until very recently, they would not back down off that date, no matter who was questioning them. Yeah, but you know what? Until very recently, and I'm just wondering if his meeting with Obama and Obama being concerned about having 25,000 refugees in here by the end of December wasn't good. And yes, they're sticking with the numbers, but the first 10,000 are privately sponsored. And then they said 15. And then mm-hmm. when they were questioned by reporters, they said, well, another 10 later. You know, so I, An awful lot of the, the 10,000 that are coming between now and uh, and the end of the year were already in yeah. the works under yeah. the, the previous government. So it shouldn't be counted against yeah. their and, target. Well, <laughs> they, <laughs> the you other, know what? They did get pushed on that yesterday because their yeah. promise was 25,000 government-sponsored refugees right. by the end of the year. I'm not sure that there's going to be any. No, I I don't think there will be. There's enough of the privately sponsored to meet the 10,000. Okay. So uh, I do do want to say this, though. If people, and I can't remember if you've called in on this, but people have been saying, well, we've got to help the the persecuted groups, especially the Christians. You can do that if you want to jump in on private uh, refugee sponsorship through a church group, community group, or a group of five. Yeah. Um, no, I didn't call on that, but I, I do agree with that. The other thing is, and I, you know what, like, I'm not mean-spirited, even though I'm a conservative, but the, the ones who are coming in uh, as refugees, not privately sponsored, but government-sponsored, mostly women and children, I'm on my back porch, and the crows are upset about this, too, by okay. the way. <laughs> but uh, the um, um, a lot of those women haven't been educated, they don't speak English, so we're going to be looking at a good 10 years before uh, these families can contribute back to the community. So they shouldn't be using that either, that they'll be contributing back to the community. All right. Well, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, A lot of that will depend on how the community responds, and if we look back to the I, I don't mind going back to the Vietnamese boat people on this one. There was a good community response. That can help an awful lot, and uh, as I think I mentioned on Lunch Bunch the other day, there's some kids walking around Hamilton speaking English with a Scottish accent due to my mother, I think. We have, the kids are great, and we the Vietnamese refugees that came in at a different time and in a different circumstances, and they did contribute, but the well, women, we'll, you we'll know, see, wasn't we'll just see on this children one. and, and ch- mothers. Helen, thanks for the call. Okay. Brian Lillian for Lowell Green. Back after this, this is News Talk 580 CFRA. This is Ottawa's home for breaking news 24 hours a day, seven days a week. News Talk 580 CFRA. Here is Lowell Green. Brian Lilly with you to the top of the hour and then right through lunch bunch and into the afternoon. Pierre Bork from Bork News Watch will join us along with uh, former city councillor Rainer Blois. And then from 1.30 to 2, John Robson, a uh, good friend of mine, good friend of the station, coming in to talk about... Well, An interesting issue. It's not just a usual political talk with John, but you'll want to hear our discussion if you believe in property rights and if you want some interesting information on Canadian history that you won't hear elsewhere. Turning off my cell phone because my brother's calling me in the middle of the show. Don't know why that was on, but uh, Richard in Orleans, you're on the Lowell Green Show with Brian Lilly. Brian, uh, just a a couple of things I'd like to mention. I've been trying to get through for a week and a half, but I went to a Remembrance Day service at Maple Ridge Public School on November the 11th. Yeah. And I'm here to tell you it was very, very well done. 
a lot of work by the teachers and a lot of work by the students. And it's it's one of the reasons I, I really like the kids being in school. I remember when Remembrance Day was a day off from yes. school. Yeah, we played and, road hockey. Yeah, so did we. Yeah, and we didn't learn much of anything. No. Uh, and then somewhere in my schooling years, they mm-hmm. changed it. We ended up uh, either developing or watching. Mm-hmm. I was often helping develop them. Um, the, uh, the 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 different presentations. I think it's in pretty good hands, Brian. After what I saw on the eleventh, that that's good to hear. Yeah. That was Maple Ridge, Maple Ridge Public School here in Orleans, Orleans, Excellent. Cumberland, wherever. Good stuff. Now, one other thing I want to mention, Brian, the fact that the Canadian Armed Forces or the Canadian government would send people into an area like that with without arms is not surprising. It, you know I, what it does? It it forces us to rely on local security and and. No, I'm not I sure. can tell you that after I served in the UN for seven and a half months in the Congo, the only troops over there, the only troops that carried empty weapons were guess who? Oh, Canadians. the Canadians. Not even a magazine on the weapon. So any so why poop, would you carry your FN? I'm guessing it was an FN back in the it day. It was an uh, FNC one, yes. Why, why would you carry your FN without a magazine? I don't even think I did that in Cadets on Drill. Well, that's how stupid it was. You know, all, all anybody would have to look at that weapon to say, it's empty, it's, there's nothing in it. <laughs> but that's how we used to march back and forth to work, in, in Elizabethville in particular. And, uh, you know, it was like uh, it got pretty rough there around Independence Day. I know that... You know, they cut the head off the British ambassador, British ambassador's secretary. So it, it was pretty rough. But the only people with, with, without ammunition in their weapons were the Canadians. Unreal. I just thought I'd let you know that, Brian. So it's not this policy by the Canadian government or the Canadian armed forces is not exactly new. It, when, the, when would that have been? When were you? 1962. 1962. Yep. All right. Well, sad to hear. Richard, thanks yeah, and, for the call. And my wife just yep. pointed out, guess what government was in power? In 62, that would have been Diefenbaker or... Yeah, Diefenbaker was into 63, wasn't he? Uh, it would have been Diefenbaker or Pearson when you were there. I think it was Pearson. Okay. I, we could check that up, but I'm pretty sure it was. All right, thanks for the call, Richard. You're welcome, Brian. Bye-bye. Irving, also call me, calling in from Orleans. You're on the Low Green Show with Brian Lilly. Hi, I... Everybody says, well, we shouldn't send the troops in with uh, weapons and uniforms. The Syrians are guarded in Jordan by at least three different militaries because of the terrorists. Mm -hmm. So if you saw somebody that says, well, I'm in the Canadian military, but I haven't got a uniform and I haven't got a weapon, are you going to really feel safe? (laughs) You know, you think about it. And the second thing is you mentioned, well, they're going to really feel the cold. Mount Hermon has a ski resort on the, Syri- on the Israeli side. On the Syrian side, it's just a desert of snow. Yeah, um, it gets to minus 50 below on Mount Hermon. My, uh, my friend and uh, liberal um, chinwagger, Warren Kinsella, has a column out this week, and, and one of the things he, he writes about is um, not sure I agree with all of his column, but he, he's flown into Israel before, and he said it, it's remarkable seeing the difference on the same, what is essentially the same landscape yep. once you're on the Israeli side. They've done things with it. If you go to the Golan Heights, you'll see on the Syrian side, it looks like a desert. 
on the Israeli side, it's all apple orchards and et cetera. By mm-hmm. the way, they also had wheat fields in Syria when I was there. And you don't get wheat unless you have a temperate climate. Yeah, so well, they yeah. have snow. I throw. I, we even threw snowballs at the Syrians. They threw them back, by the way, <laughs> when I was in the Golan. And I used. To, we used to go down, and you just about froze to death going down to Damascus. Really? Did, yeah, does it, it get as cold as here? It gets. It's something like Halifax temperatures. Really, Halifax gets cold enough. Yeah, and uh, they lived in uh, cinder block houses with no heat. They, all they had was uh, propane stoves. Well, I, I'm just looking that right now, I mean, this week it's 16 to 18 degrees in Amman. That's where we're bringing people out from. Well, yeah, but, I mean, you got to remember that they, they really don't have any heat. You know, everybody says, well, well, they'll be freezing to death in Canada. They're used to it. All right. Well, thanks for the info, Irving. You know, and just remember... Are you really going to feel secure if somebody's standing there in civilian clothes and says, well, I'm not a terrorist. I'm a, a guy from Canada without a weapon. <laughs> why, do we, why do we treat our military like they're Boy Scouts? Because they're dumb. They're liberals. Uh, I, I, wish that, I wish there were a better answer than that. I just don't think that there is. Thanks for the call. Okay. Pearl in Kempville. You're on the Low Green Show with Brian Lilly. Good morning, Brian. <clears throat> I'm I'm just uh, just uh, the refugees. I I think it's a res- recipe for disaster. Number one. Uh, and, are are and, you happy that they've slowed down though? <laughs> yes, because there was no way there was no way they could accomplish what they're setting out to do. But stubborn liberals, uh, we said it. So now we're now the, there's lots of things they say and they never do. But anyway. Uh, I was thinking way back, and who changed our our immigration system, immigration and refugee system? It was Pierre Trudeau and Eleanor Kaplan. And the multiculturalism law that they put in this country, they changed our immigration system completely. And I remember Eleanor Kaplan and and Pierre Trudeau saying that if you touched a a toe on the soil of Canada, water or soil, you were an you were an instant Canadian, and that's what scares me. Once you get these people here, we have no way of getting rid of them. Well, yesterday they were if they're asked, bad and they and they're doing horrible things. The the state broadcaster um, had a couple of questions into people yesterday about, including the health minister, including the prime minister, about what happens if we bring in people that we don't want here that you know shouldn't be here. What if they what if they evade the security checks? And uh, the answer was, well, we can't send them back to Syria, so we'll just have to deal with them here. We oh, will um, we'll put them in our uh, in our justice system. That, that's not the uh, best idea. Our justice system is just that. No, it's not a justice system. It's a legal system. This country, we're losing our democracy. We're losing our freedom of speech. It terrifies me. Well, I don't think out. we're losing that by bringing in refugees, Pearl. Well, we're losing got, that by, by other measures. We've but got I, more than... We are punching way above our weight, refugee-wise, according to and, the other countries. And we're punching way below our weight in terms of fighting ISIS. Thanks for the call. Okay. I want to make a couple of quick points here. Um, people often talk about how it was the liberals that changed our immigration system. In some ways, yes, but let me, let me just point out a couple of things. 
for years, liberals ruled Canada for most of the 20th century. And there were a lot of racist policies in our immigration system. Do you know who brought them in? Liberals. It was John Diefenbaker, conservative prime minister, who got rid of uh, many of the restrictions that said, if you're from this country or that country, you can't come here. John Diefenbaker. Not Trudeau. Trudeau's predecessors, and Trudeau, by the way, as soon as uh, the economy started sinking, he would lower immigration numbers. He did that all the time. Now you're called a racist if you if you do that. If you ever lower immigration numbers, you're called a racist. But Pierre Trudeau used to lower them all the time. But under Laurier and then Mackenzie King, Chinese Canadians were excluded from immigrating to Canada. It started with a head tax. And yes, the head tax started under uh, Sir John A. Macdonald with support of the Liberals, but then it started out as a small fee. It became $500. Then it became the Chinese Exclusion Act under Mackenzie King. Laurier also enacted policies that made it effectively impossible for someone from India to immigrate from Canada. Just like you hear about the, the ship full of Jewish refugees in the the Second World War being turned back, there was a ship of Indian immigrants, would-be Indian immigrants that was turned back because it had stopped in another port in violation of the rules. They, in those days, the ships couldn't make it from India to Canada without stopping at another port to resupply. That's why Laurier brought in that. He did not want immigrants from there. One final point, and that is that at one point, there were a lot of people from the Midwest in the United States wanted to move to Canada. When we started settling the prairies, the orders were find good old British stock or French stock if you could, and if not, then they would make do with Slavs, but they didn't really want the Slavs, the Ukrainians and the like that ended up settling the prairies. But they took them because they didn't want black farmers from places like Oklahoma to move up to Canada because black farmers were getting land in Oklahoma, but then they heard there was free land in Canada and a good climate, and it might be more open to having black farmers there. The Canadian government, under Sir Wilfrid Laurier, the man on the $5 bill, actually sent agents down to warn black farmers, Canada doesn't want you. You won't be safe there. It's not good for you. When people tell you that you're racist because you're conservative or the conservatives have a racist history, learn that. Remind them of that. Because that's the real history. Checking the markets right now, the TS up, TSX up 59 points, Dow Jones up 19, NASDAQ up 10, S&P 500 up 1. Michael Kane is at the BNN Business Desk. In news from the mining sector, the world's biggest diamond cartel may be for sale. De Beers has set world diamond prices for generations under the ownership of the Oppenheimer family. Control of De Beers was purchased in 2012 by the mining firm Anglo-American PLC, but its shares are the second worst performers on the London stock market this year, and Anglo-American, hurt by falling metals prices, is considering the sale of the diamond business. De Beers has been one of Anglo's best performing operations and could could bring as much as $10 billion. This hour, gold futures are down $2, just above $1,071 an ounce. Oil is down 55 cents at 42.32 a barrel. The Canadian dollar down slightly to 75.11 cents U.S. I'm Michael Kane at BNN, Canada's business news network. 
Now back to Lowell Green on Ottawa's home for breaking news, covering what matters to you. News Talk 580 CFRA. Hello. Is it me you're looking for? <laughs> I can see That's not Adele. That's the song I think of every time I hear Adele's new Hello song. You've been hearing it in ads. You've been hearing it. Well, I was playing. There it is. Hello. Her big special on tonight. Maybe she'll bring Lionel Richie out. I'll be watching to see. I'll be checking it out one way or another. Oh, there's another song. We've got to play that one next. Uh, Brian Lillian for Lowell Green. As you can tell, it's not Lowell because I'm playing odd pop music, but also taking your calls on refugees, asking you your thoughts. Are you happy with the government? Changing its mind, scaling things back, pausing a bit. I'm calling it at least a partial victory for sanity. What about Michelle in Ottawa? What do you think, Michelle? Hi, Brian. Yesterday was like Christmas morning at the chronic credit card spender's house. Enjoy all. Everything's good. (laughs) Feel happy and avoid the reality. You don't make enough money to pay the bill and the house is already falling apart. Happy families start with healthy minds. And you have to take the big picture here. Turkey shut down a Russian uh, jet yesterday. Turkey's our ally. These are times like the world has never seen. The, the Liberals said that $678 million that they're going to spend bringing them I over. I believe Why? the old number of $1.2 billion. Oh, well, I, I thought I saw 678 last night. Wait, that's that's what Turkey. they're claiming. They're okay, now well, claiming listen. 678 yeah. I was hoping that we would have had some real advanced thinking. And I'll give you an example. I watched... Um, CTV, I think, the other night, or CBC, somebody had a news story about how they're already helping some of the refugees in bigger centers like Toronto, and they were showing a class where they were actually showing 50- and 60-year-old people how to brush their teeth. We are paying for this. These people all have cell phones. For God's sakes, they know how to brush their teeth. It's a 30-second crest commercial, and we're paying for this. It's ridiculous. And so if you really wanted to jumpstart the economy, Again, yesterday they had a story about ESL teachers and over here on Bank Street, and that you know, and that the teachers are calling, calling, and the the ladies to 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 come to help teach, and the ladies said, "Well, we we haven't got the funding yet." Well, you know what? I'd put the kibosh on that right now. If you were come, if you were a young teacher starting out, I would let you pay you to come and teach at a place like that, just to give you employment and experience. If you're retired and you're coming, you're only getting a tax break. Give me some creative thinking like that. You have no place for the refugees to live. There's for rent sites all over the city. Don't start the economy by putting these people into homes like that. Give somebody an income, help everybody. It benefits everybody all around. But the government has to take it and keep it and mismanage it. And it's absolutely ridiculous. And here's another question. How are you going to prove you're homosexual when you go and sit in front of somebody? You don't think that on the yeah. cell phone the word's out, so you call your friend and say, well, you're homosexual. Go tell them you're homosexual. How are you going to prove that? It's, you can't uh... prove that. You know, it's a, it's a question that uh, arose when we were having Mexico as one of our largest sources of refugees a couple of years ago, is that um, because we don't really recognize refugees from Mexico, somebody said, oh, but homosexuals are persecuted in Mexico, so go to the Canadian border, show up, run, you know, basically people are going through the United States, going to De- the Detroit Windsor Crossing and showing up and saying, I'm from Mexico and I'm, and I'm gay. Okay. Well, now we've got to treat them as legitimate refugee. Let them in. Same thing could happen here, uh, but that's not the type of thinking that we'll we'll get well, from this government. You had asked earlier what I can't remember just a few minutes ago about why why do we not fund our army or why do we ignore our army? Mm-hmm. 
Well, look at the Kurds right now. The Kurds are the only people effectively fighting ISIS and holding ISIS back, and they are begging for heavy equipment. And they're on the front lines, and they are fighting for their lives. And until we're in a situation like that, we won't realize how desperately we need to have an army. You you have to have a way of funding yourself, of fighting for yourself, because the reality is everybody is nice. And, this is true. You know, Michelle? And I, and I get back one more thing. The mm-hmm. healthy families and healthy minds. Look, you've got people who have witnessed the horriblest things ever, and you're going to bring them here. A move is a major uh, psychological impact on a family, a death, um, a, a new country, a new language. All these things these people are going to be inundated with. And if you don't really look after them, you're going to have a generation of really angry young men well, like coming out of Belgium, the, and they're going to hate the world, and they're going to just hate themselves. I, I'll let you leave there, and uh, I'll I'll follow up with Todd in a second, but I just want to say that uh, it was good to hear the health minister acknowledge that this is a problem and that there will be funding for that issue. Thanks for the call, Michelle. You're Todd, you're on the Low Green Show with Brian Lilly. Yeah, good morning. I want to uh, address one thing when I'm listening to my alternate uh, uh, radio station, uh, Rush Limbaugh and Howie Carr, it was made known to me a couple of days ago before the Trudeau uh, liberals announced the details of our immigration plan that the U.S. government will be taking in, uh, I think it was 100,000 refugees, but they're all going to be vetted by their own people, not by the U.N. contractors who are discredited. So my question is, now that we are going to uh, do our vetting over there, overseas, is it by these same U- discredited UN contractors, who are probably Syrian guys or whatever? Uh, and how no, is that it, going to affect us it, it will in be, our security, uh, in our security in relationship with the U.S.? It will be our own people. Will it be thorough enough? I have my questions and my doubts about that. But that we are sending our own people over there. That's one of the jobs the military will be doing, helping to collect the data that. Canadian Border Service agents and visa officers will go over. Initially, the they had said clearly in interviews, don't worry, the U.N. can do the vetting over there. We'll do the vetting on our side once they get here. That was very problematic. They understand that. They've backpedaled. They've changed. I say that is the biggest victory out of the, the climb down yesterday. Well, so we're right back to the conservative plan initially. Great. <laughs> oh, isn't it good? Well, it, back it's... to uh, Joe Clark and Pierre Trudeau. <laughs> Todd, thanks for the call. You bet. All right, this is going to wrap up the Lowell Green Show for today. Don't uh, don't go away, though. We do have Lunch Bunch coming up. Rainer Blowis, former city councillor, Pierre Bork of Bork News Watch, both coming in. We'll kick around the issues of the day. Keeping an eye on President Barack Obama. He was supposed to be up speaking live 20 minutes ago. That hasn't happened yet. Uh, But we will keep an eye out for that. Uh, Between 1 and 2, conversation on uh, economics with Leslie Preston from TD Economics. What is actually happening in the Canadian economy? And then a conversation with friend John Robson on the issue of property rights and history lessons you're just not going to hear anywhere else. Brian Lillian for Lowell Green back tomorrow on the Island of Sanity at 10 o'clock. This is News Talk 580 CFRA.